Welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast, bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm here today with Dave Glazer, and um, welcome, Dave, to Light Conversations on Trauma. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. So good to be be with you here, Dave. Um, And what's your vibe? Oh, my vibe today is, uh, you know, super vibrant, uh, super energetic, because I've been working through some deep thoughts over the last few days as as you and I were catching up, um, sharing that. We know each other through the Alliance and I'm in Denver, Colorado, you're over there in the UK, but uh, Zoom makes the world a small place. Yeah, that's true. Super grateful for Zoom right now. I mean, what would we do without Zoom in this time? Um, Man, that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Yes, we know each other from the Alliance, which is a men's group um, and also very grateful for that, the existence of that because we've both seen a lot of great great growth around um around that kind of work right Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm also feeling super vibrant today i've been working through a lot of stuff this morning so this this is going to be a great conversation i can feel it coming Mm -hmm. so um you've chosen set b um which is that's deep i grieve that a lot and share a shame so yeah let's dive into that's deep that's deep Yeah, man, we could go any which way with that deep. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a fair, I'm a fairly deep think, uh, deep thinker in general. Um, one of those things that uh, I think about a lot is overthinking. <laughs> ironically enough, that like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm big on fitness and nutrition for my career, but I'm also very passionate about relationships. So when we're talking about relationships, it's because we overthink them. And since joining the Alliance, you're absolutely correct. I've seen so much growth in my personal life, my professional life, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. Um, But what I've seen as a huge transition between the work I do in the Alliance and outside the Alliance is that in my most recent relationship that we were talking about catching up over, I wasn't overthinking a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And that's really deep for me. Yeah, I hear that. And that's that's really... That's really an essential point, isn't it? And I love, I love all of the work that we do around boundaries. We were just talking a lot around boundaries. And sometimes that boundary, um, is to say to your inner critic, that's enough. That's enough rumination. I'm, I'm moving forward with this. This is my boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That victim shows up and he says to me, I would have, I could have, I should have. And honestly, I've changed that phrase when it comes to relationships or it comes to business is like, instead of, I would have done this in the past, I will do this in the future. Ah, I see. Uh, If I want my behavior to change, I need to look forward and basically lay out a game plan for myself of like, how am I going to change that victim from that mindset to empowered? That's actually really essential knowledge. I think. Um, because I've been thinking a lot around that and I'm really grateful that that's just come up. I, I often think about would, should, and could in terms of the past being this really, um, diving into the past and, and, and almost trying to change the past in order Mm -hmm. to make the future a different future, right? Mm -hmm. We can get stuck in those kind of battles 
And then I, I sort of look at those three words in the future and think, okay, maybe they're okay in the future. But mm-hmm. um, that that change of, of phrase is, is really interesting. Maybe you can mm-hmm. expand. Like, yeah, that that, I'd, I'd be happy to. So we're, we're having light conversations around trauma. Yeah. And you and I both uh, know of my history of trauma, um, three instances of sexual assault in my life. Mm-hmm. And you would think, okay, well, Dave's in shape. Dave... Uh, Dave takes care of himself. He should be strong enough to defend himself. But mm-hmm. um, assault knows no gender. Mm-hmm. Perpetrators know no no are not exclusively male, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of different cases and scenarios around um, that type of an experience. Mm-hmm. And where the victim was showing up for me was, I should have protected myself better. I should have stood up for myself better. I could have defended myself physically. But when you're in that fight, flight, feign mode of uh, mm-hmm. self-preservation, you don't think that way. There's no logic involved when you're in fight or flight. Yeah. It's just instinct. It's just instinctive. So uh, first case scenario, I stood up for myself. I fought. Second case scenario, okay, got triggered. So I shut down. Mm-hmm. Third case scenario, same thing. And that's when I realized that I needed to do a lot of work. So I dove in deep. And I reframed in this particular case, instead of I should have, I could have, I would have, well, I went and signed up for a jujitsu membership Did you? and three and a half years later, um, I know that in the future I will do this instead. And you could fill in the blank with defend myself more appropriately, mm. um, stand up for myself more appropriately, um, set healthier boundaries more appropriately right. in the future. And, and that's what jujitsu does for me, taking my victim mindset giving me practical tools for self-defense, but also giving me empowerment to stand up for myself with words first yeah. and then physical self-defense second. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think I, I, that's such a, uh, that's such a, a really deep, it's deep. It's a deep share because, um, I've also experienced, um, sexual assault as a man. And I think, yeah, the shame, and we'll get to that like in, in, in a little while, but the shame around not protecting yourself as a man, as a, yeah, as a, you know, we're told we need to provide. And, and, and in a way that that providing is providing security. It's an underlying message, right? It's, um, yeah, I can hear that. And then I, I've been over and over those sort of scenarios where I thought, you know, I should have, I should have protected myself. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 the kind of idea around um, rehashing those those scenarios and thinking them through and being like trying to change the past in that way. Um, I love the I love the talk about proaction um, in that way because the way that you you join the jujitsu and, and by the way I also I joined karate um, for that reason and it wasn't necessarily like. Um, wasn't necessarily so that I could beat people up or uh, <laughs> have the physical skills. It's it was more like the discipline for me. It was more like the progress and the mental discipline that I I just couldn't handle. I just needed a process, like you mentioned. I just needed that process, and I think I think mm-hmm. that's where we we can get stagnant and kind of stuck in our in our reality is um, not having that process. That's really interesting. Yeah, that key word in there is discipline. When we as um, leaders in our community or as the masculine energy, we need discipline in order to feel most grounded, most present, and most empowered in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And then uh, a lot of the things that have been coming up for for me recently is like the kind of disassociations that that we go through in in these processes you know there's there's the distracting voices the disassociation voices you know i just i want some time to be carefree you know i need a holiday and in that way it's kind of like you're still on the road you're still on the road you're still in the process but you know in in doing those things you might be distracting yourself I certainly distract myself in those ways. Um, so that kind of discipline really hits home for me. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's about the routes that you can take, right? 
you know, you either take the distraction route or you take, you take like what you said, leaning in and just sort of really doing that inner work, which is um, really commendable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it alone. That's for sure. You oh. know, sought, sought out the right counselor and I sought out, uh, uh, let's see, the Alliance is my third men's group that I participated in. Okay. Um, the first one wasn't the right fit for me, uh, but I gave it a year actually. Um, as I was walking around the park last night, having that conversation on my, on my headphones with the girl that I was telling you, with, mm-hmm. uh, telling you about, I'm sitting on a park bench and I hear my name called out. And the men from that original men's group were behind me taking a walk as four guys um, around City Park. And they recognized my dog first. And then they're like, hey, I recognize that guy. And they call out to me. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'll be with you in a minute. Went back to my conversation. As soon as that conversation ended, as it as I had anticipated it would, I just needed to share a few things, get them off my chest. Mm-hmm. I joined them. I joined them for a walk. And we took another lap and a half. And you know, reconnecting with those men, um, was a grounding experience for me because I cannot do this journey alone. Yeah. That's so good that you mentioned that. Obviously it's, um, yeah, the, the, the journey through trauma is definitely not, definitely not an isolation journey. I mean, it's, you have to do it in the support of a community that actually know how to hold space, right? They know, Mm -hmm. they know and understand, um, because safety, right? Safety is paramount. Safety is absolutely paramount. And so, yeah, that sounds awesome. And it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of fun how you engaged in that for a year and it didn't suit you. And then, and then they sort of popped up into your life when you needed them. <laughs> right at that right moment, you know, yeah. and I, I, I like that phrase of holding space, right? Mm-hmm. Empathy is not an innate skill. No, it's not an innate ability. It's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. And holding space is not something that um, we're accustomed to doing. Um, we are formed in relationship, we are wounded in relationship, and we are healed in relationship. But that wounding portion of the relationship is what diminishes the ability to create space for another. Yeah. That word wound, for sure, that hit, that hit me quite hard, that word. And I think... Yeah, it's 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 a challenge to not allow those wounds to to carry forward, right? Into into the next relationship. I know that I know that a lot of a lot of the men in the alliance talk about um that kind of thing. And it's separating kind of like trying to separate anyway, um old wounds in, in new scenarios and and whether mm-hmm. you can work through them or you know, it's I mean human relationships they're they're messy. You know, they, kind of, they do bring these things up and, and we do have to deal with them. Um, yep. I, I like choosing the word wound because wounds can be healed. Yeah. Yeah. And through relationship, um, I was just reading, I was just reading an email from Connor, our, our host of the Alliance and our men's group leader, and it was about guilt. And um, when I had the phone conversation with uh, a woman I wanted to be my partner, for sure, uh, she labeled it. She's like, I don't know if this phone call was to get some guilt off your chest or what. I see. Because I hear it. It's all about you, Dave. You're not making room for anybody else in your life. And the point that I was making is I, I can't speak for you. I can only speak about my truth and my journey over here in the last few days since we've talked. Yeah. Um, but I had two things that I wanted to share with you. and. Yeah. Connor was talking about, um, what relationship do you have with guilt? Yeah. And that's so good. Yeah. He was talking about guilt can provide the framework to become your most authentic self. Right. Yeah. Maybe a tiny bit of it was guilt and I, I can own that. Absolutely. But I shouldn't be shamed for having guilt whatsoever. No, no, and guilt, guilt is a fascinating thing. Um, it's a very um, directional emotion, isn't it? it? It moves us, right? It moves us to do things. So guilt is useful. And mm-hmm. yeah, I like, I like what you're saying. I mean, that's quite a common thing to be guilt-tricked in a way, isn't it? You know, <laughs> and, and we talk a lot about needs and, and needs to needs move into boundaries. And, and that's so important to build healthy relationships. So... Now, what I'm hearing there is like an imbalance 
you know, you're stating your needs and she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel um, either whatever reason she has to not state her needs, but um, she's not stating her needs and, and maybe that's um, bringing up the issues for her. So it's interesting. That's definitely a possibility. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. And uh, the wounds that need to be healed for me uh, are most likely not to be healed in a relationship like that. Right. Where the attempts to bond over trauma are existing and Mm. um, my conscious work within my subconscious is telling me, Dave, not the right fit because of that attempt to bond over the trauma. Yeah. And that's so important. And I, I've started to listen to the voices of my intuition in that way, you know, the inner voices mm-hmm. that I have. And like we were talking just before the podcast about trauma bonding. If anyone doesn't know, it's, it's kind of an, an attempt to, to bond with someone b- because you're both wounded by trauma. Um, it's a sort of, um, call to be dependent on each other. Um, so that's a big thing really isn't it it's um mm-hmm. i think i think listening to those inner voices is is really important um so how did mm-hmm. it show up in you did you get some warning signs did you i did i definitely did get some warning signs of um you know when we are experiencing trauma bonding it's because you have a shared experience in your life mm-hmm. either together um as we were talking about COVID pandemic being a shared experience of trauma and we're all bonding over it, um, but we may not be conscious to it. So uh, the first time it came up, um, Hey Dave, I'd love to, um, I'd love to share the details of my sexual assault and I'd love to hear yours too. Not to, not to use it against you as a weapon, but just to understand and be more compassionate. Mm -hmm. Okay, absolutely. Um, But I'm not ready yet. And I set the healthy boundary the first time that that request was made and, Mm -hmm. uh, she received it well, but over the next few days, just kind of, she dribbled in a little bit more of like her details and that was without my permission. And that was my first clue of, okay, uh, as Brene Brown says, um, (laughs) boundaries without or vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability at all. It's manipulation. Yes, yes. And I think that that was my yeah. first, my first inner voice cluing me into a warning sign. Yeah. And we always um, get, yeah, and we always get those little warning signs, right? Whether we ignore them or not, it's, um, they're always there. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's the 15 minutes up there on, mm-hmm. uh, on that. And that was definitely deep. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for bringing that that energy to that section. You bet. I felt called to talk about deep thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I say to a lot uh, a lot of my friends, you know, that's exactly why why I resonate with um, with you as well. It's like I don't I don't tend, I'm very introverted, so I don't tend to talk to people who 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 can't get deep. <laughs> so yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, okay, well, let's move on to the next section and that's called I Grieve That A Lot. Sure. Actually, I've been focusing a lot on the five levels of grief um, oh, ever since ever since the global pandemic really impacted me financially and professionally. Um, I was coaching and training at a corporate gym close to the house within about 10-minute drive. And I'd started that right around the beginning of the year and grew quickly, you know, from uh, zero clients to about 27 hours a week in um, training session hours, which was great. And was making all of my financial goals that I had set for myself by doing this corporate gym. Normally, I'm self-employed. And um, so March 15th, I was making phone calls with my clients. And they're like, hey, we're, we're a little nervous about what's happening. We're going to cancel our sessions for the next week just to see what happens. And then the next day, the gym shuts down. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I just lost 90% of my income. And now, yeah. now what? So I began 
the stages of grief like really quickly. I went into denial for three to four days where I just kind of wallowed in my own shit. Mm-hmm. And then I went into anger and the anger presented itself in a way of like, okay, our GM at the gym was still allowing teammates to come in and work out on their own. And that was how I expressed my anger is like, yeah, I'm going to totally defy the, the governor's, um, uh, governor's orders to shut gyms down and go in and get my lift on and, and still post on social media about it. And that was my anger and denial all at the same time. And then when we got bounced out of that gym, I started training my clients in our apartment gym here. And that was me showing up in anger and denial And then that apartment gym shut down too. And then I got really angry because how dare they take that away from me in my home, you know? Okay. Uh, So those are the first two stages of, uh, of grief. Mm -hmm. And, and then I went into bargaining and bargaining is actually where I first experienced my explosion of personal and professional growth during, during the pandemic. And the bargaining sounds like this inner monologue saying, okay, well, God, if you provide me with the financial means, I will do this. Okay. Well, I was grieving the loss of a job and it wasn't so much like that conversation, that question poised to God. It was, okay, what are my talents? My talents are online personal training. Okay. What do I have as far as equipment goes? I don't. I have my body weight and I have a tripod and I have my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And so I just basically knew that to maintain my own mental health and my own well-being during this crazy wild time where I just lost my job is, okay, I'll continue to exercise. Mm-hmm. And I started filming them and I started editing them and I started uploading them onto my online training program platform and I flourished. I sold it to like 25 people in the first two weeks and uh, two and a half months later, we have 40 workouts recorded, uploaded. Um I found investors to come in on it with me, raised 25000 in capital, all during the bargaining stage of grief. Wow. That's actually incredible. Yeah. Thanks. I didn't, uh, I didn't know the context of, 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 of that, that story. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that is incredible growth. In, in that all during the bargaining stage of grief. Yeah. And it just, and, um, and, it just, speak, it just speaks to me about, about the use and the use of of difficult scenario difficult difficult emotion you know yes mm-hmm. it, it's it's yeah it's painful and it sucks sometimes it, and it's not ideal and you don't welcome it you don't invite it into your life but it but it is very necessary and it can co- mm-hmm. it can like be the the main factor for this incredible change and pivot in in, in your life mm-hmm. it's incredible yeah crisis doesn't build character it reveals it Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's deep. Yeah, where was that? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So from uh, from the bargaining stage, I kind of hit a roadblock of like, okay, uh, now I've raised this 25000 in capital. The depression stage of grief showed up for me and how that worked was, okay, the fears, the limiting beliefs started coming into play of like, now that I have this marketing capital, what do I do with it? I'm not a marketing expert. I'm a product and the systems guy. And so I went out and I sought out some help. And when it comes to like digital marketing and online training programs, I want instant gratification. And when I didn't see like 25 more clients coming to me, like immediately, I went into a little bit of a phase of depression. Um, I'm alone. I don't have a partner. I was intentionally not dating, which is another reason why I saw so much growth personally and professionally. Because mm-hmm. I did not have that disassociation or that numbing or that distraction. Yeah. And so I got a little depressed for like three to four weeks. And where that showed up was less consistency on filming workouts, less jujitsu with my roommate here at the house, mm-hmm. uh, less filming of those workouts, less work getting done, less advancement forward. And then I started to see acceptance, that fifth stage of grief. Right. Well, I'm accepting the fact that I cannot have instant gratification. I'm accepting the fact that I lost my job two and a half months ago. And I started to envision my life because I was earning a salary now from my from my online training programs. Mm-hmm. I started envisioning for my life without that corporate job to go back to. Yes. 
And that was me, <laughs> that was me accepting that fifth, uh, level, fifth stage of grief. Yeah. That's incredible, actually. What a journey. And I love, I love that example, Dave, because I, I also lost my job, um, in, in the lockdown or shelter in place, um, in the UK. I previously mixed live concerts and obviously they stopped completely. So I can resonate with the absolute and complete, um, disappearance of, of my livelihood. And that was a big shock and it sent me also into grief as well. But then, you know, what comes out of that is, is really the, the scarcity is, is the issue, isn't it? You know, you're worried that you're not going to survive basically. And once you can get that back up in in any way you can because let's face it we're incredibly resourceful in in fact human beings have survived and thrived because we are adaptable we have that we have that that's that's one of our biggest biggest strong points you know so it's so it's really cool that that you so how do you envisage so your corporate job is gone yep for the time they are they reopened on the 22nd of June, and the week before that, they called me up and said, hey, I know we haven't talked to you in three months, but your job's available for you when you want to come back if you have 20 session hours worth of personal training clients. Okay. And okay, okay, let me, let me call the clients that I was working with who still have packages mm-hmm. and see where they're at, see if they actually want to come in. But you know, they were giving us the opportunity of working virtually too with these clients to use up their sessions. Uh I thought that that's a win for me. You know, I can work from home. And so I reached out to my clients and I built up um, 13 session hours within the first hour or two of actually uh, communicating with former clients. Well, the stipulation was that I needed 20 hours. I see. Okay. All right. So I asked the GM for one to two hours worth of access to this uh, customer retention, customer relationship management system, the CRM, uh, so that I could find the other five or six hours, mm-hmm. you know, worth of work to come back and to be paid by the corporate facility again. And I made that request, never heard back from him. Ah, I see. And that was the last straw is like, you know what, you're going to offer me front desk position so I can get some hours and actually use the CRM and make calls during my front desk shift. Well, the hours you asked me to work were un- oh, unacceptable mm. um, in my calendar. And then, okay, well, you're going to offer me a sales position as well? Mm. Okay, those hours are like 1.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. on a Saturday and a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big no from me. Thanks. Yeah, so. yeah. That's so that's how I envision my life, you know. That's cool. I think it's quite common for companies to, in this time especially, to, to be placing those kind of, kind of, um, expectations and they're quite, they're quite high expectations, aren't they? And I do see them coming from that anxiety kind of scarcity mm-hmm. mindset, you know? And if, if I shared that mindset, if I was afraid of where my next paycheck was going to come from because I might get evicted, mm-hmm. then yeah, I would accept what they gave me, but I didn't have that scarcity mindset that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I have one of abundance over here. And even if my marketing program isn't going great, um, okay, well, I still have some capital. So why don't I start my own Google ads because my marketing team is working on Facebook right now. Mm -hmm. Just because they're working over there doesn't mean I can't do my my own thing over here on Google. Awesome. Yeah, resourceful. Adaptable. Adaptable, yeah. (laughs) Excellent. It's... um. Yeah, being flexible and actually having uh, lateral thinking, I think. You know, I was talking to someone just yesterday about linear mindsets. And I think, yeah, it's, you get kind of stuck in that, that progress mindset um, in a linear, if, you, if it's a linear path that you're, you're looking for. It can, it, can, it can get kind of, it's, um, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself in that way. You know, like you, you, you thought laterally about this, this thing and, and you pivoted and you, you were flexible and, uh, yeah, it's good to hear. It's really good that you mentioned the five stages of grief actually, because, you know, well, I knew that you'd have that in your back pocket anyway, but 
That's, that's How'd you know that, man? How'd you know that? <laughs> I mean, you're you're well versed. I mean, you do your homework, don't you? You 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 do like to to be well well informed, right? And yeah, the the only sure. place I'm an expert in is an expert in myself. And mm. um, sometimes I sometimes I think back on to the time in my life when I wasn't conscious or self aware, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah, oh, I was just so oblivious, and it was just so wonderful to live within the dark. Yeah, and it's a hard place to live in the light because mm. sometimes you don't want to face the shadow that's there. Yeah, and another reason why we are healed in relationships is because we are shown our shadow, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, that that brief experience that I was sharing with you earlier—that's that's my shadow showing up of like, how am I not creating space for another person to feel heard? You know, and um, that's when communication and comprehension come into play. Yeah, cool. within our within our lives and our relationships. Yeah, I'm so glad that came up actually, um, because again, it's it's all synergy really. Because I, I was talking to to someone about this as well. He said, you know, if you could go back to living unconsciously, would you? And I said, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask that question. I said, no, I don't think I would, because it's just those moments that something comes out of the blue and and hits you around the face, and it and it the shock of that you know, it takes you a while to bounce back from that. And yeah, living in the light is, is really, really challenging. Um, but, but also, um, the moments of joy and bliss that you can mm-hmm. experience in that, you know, that they're extended as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, you get to have these kind of conversations with people. Um, you know, there are so many and like, I'm sure, I'm sure, when you know that when we talk a lot about transformational relationships i guess that's what y- you and i are kind of um because i'm also don't have a partner right now but um i'm heading that's my goal basically having that mm-hmm. kind of conscious um conscious connection with somebody and 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 if you have those conversations then you build that's what you build and um i think the hardest thing really for me is is actually realizing that that somebody that you'd kind of expected or envisioned would be in your life isn't quite there or doesn't see the same energy or kind of as you do so you know obviously mm-hmm. within reason because everybody's different but um that can be a that can be a big challenge yeah, if if somebody's listening and they they're kind of wondering what that feels like, this transformational relationship feels like. Mm. Um, I went through one last fall, which is something that you and I discussed when we first met. That's the relationship I was getting over because it was so transformational for me. Mm-hmm. And what it feels like in the moment is you say to yourself this this little moment of awareness of like, oh, my partner just doesn't get it. Yeah. And that's what it feels like to have consciousness for yourself mm-hmm. and then understand that maybe your partner is not on that same level of consciousness too. Like they just don't get it or they're not in their sacred masculine or feminine. You know, right. that's also what that feels like energetically speaking mm-hmm. is when you have one sacred and one toxic and they're bouncing across or two toxic or um, yeah. the person in that case the relationship last fall, why it was so transformational for me is because I was sliding from my sacred to my toxic masculine back and forth, back and forth, just in Mm. response to another person who was doing the same thing. Right. Sliding back and forth between toxic and sacred uh, feminine. Yeah. Yeah. That can be, that can be a real ride. I've, I've definitely been in that space. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. So yeah, you bet, man. <laughs> these are so good. I kind of want to have a, like multiple, multiple uh, versions of these conversations over. Th- I'm sure we'll revisit these. Um, yeah, man. I, I'll, I'll, I'll invite them. me back anytime. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a hell of a yes from me. Right? Is it a full body yes? <laughs> oh, it's a full body yes, brother. Nice. Great. So the last one here is share a shame I always felt this but I never felt like I could tell anyone 
Cherchez. Yeah, um, shame is a big deal for me, you know, coming from um, sexual assault by a male perpetrator and two sexual assaults by female perpetrators. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of shame there. But that's something that I specifically worked on in that 20 months of counseling that I chose to do um, when the repressed memories of the second event came back to me 10 years later. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was that was one of those two by fours to the face where the universe is like, you need some work. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm open to it. I'm I'm completely willing. I am putty in your hands, God. You know, form me, transform me, and and shape me to be a better man. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I learned from joining the alliance early on that I committed to personally was understanding what codependency felt like. Mm-hmm. And what we've learned from No More Mr. Nice Guy and Dr. Glover and Connor all in one is that nice guys carry that toxic shame. Mm-hmm. Toxic shame of the sexual assault, but also as I reframed it and readdressed it in my life since since learning about it, identifying it and becoming more self-aware of it is labeling it, saying it out loud. Okay, well, the story of losing my my corporate job at the time of the lockdown uh, was shameful for me. I lost 90% of my income. A lot of men could internalize that and hide it from a future partner or from a current partner and say, oh, no, no, everything will be fine. I can handle it on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was first when I was first uh, speaking to that partner that I was sharing, um, sharing with you about, the most recent one, is I identified that. I told the story of me losing my corporate job without shame. Yeah, And I owned it. And I'm like, you know what? The reason why I can own it so well is because I had no control over it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not playing a victim card here. I'm simply just identifying that, you know what? I'm ashamed that I lost 90% of my income and went from 64K in, in earnings last year to, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks a month in March yeah. and April, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Yeah, but yeah. the... And but so, facing that, yeah, facing that shame of losing a job through those stages of grief is just mm. like one example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's such a big um, social status, um, how much money you earn, isn't it? And we, I think we all have these sort of, um, well, not so much, um, obviously, I love the phrase like an examined life. I think it was Plato that. I said, I love philosophy, you know, it's uh, an examined life is worth living, you know. So, you know, but there are a lot of unconscious sort of biases in society, you know. One of them is is how much you earn because it's a class, it's a class status, right? It, it forms your, 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 your social class. Um, for better or worse, um, that is a system of, of status. And I love... And uh, I love efficiency, obviously. I'm, I'm a very rational, scientific person as well. Um, maybe that's a bit of my masculinity coming through there. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, I think what, what Brené Brown says around shame is that, you know, the, opposite, the, the way out of shame is empathy because shame is fear of the disconnection of, of social status you know, being abandoned or, or isolated. So that's, it is a huge thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where is it that you feel shame in your body? Oh, that's you know? a, that's a good question. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram as a personality assessment tool. Okay. And, um, my personality type is known as the challenger okay. and we are a gut centered personality type. So I always feel my guilt and my shame and my my emotions in my gut. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I um I feel my shame always on my forehead actually. Really? Yeah, it's really heavy, heavy feeling on my forehead. It's almost like my brow is is kind of <laughs> sliding down over my eyes. I'm like, oh I'm feeling shame <laughs> because of that reason. That's where it comes to me. Uh, heavy eyelids, basically. Mm-hmm. 
So that's really interesting. Yeah, we could, uh, we could go a little deeper into that if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like a visualization of it's a heavy feeling on my forehead as if I'm facing it with all of my energy. Mm-hmm. So imagine, um, like your forehead placed along against the wall and you slowly walk your feet back away from the wall, but your body is still rigid as a plank. Mm-hmm. And, and I can envision that that's how the pressure feels on your forehead. That's yeah. how much weight you're carrying there. That's absolutely right. Yeah. But that, the positive outlook is you're still facing it mm-hmm. in yeah. the analogy. That's true. And I think, yeah, I think like what like what you mentioned with with the sexual assaults. I mean, I was sexually assaulted by a man when I was uh, eleven years old. I think. I mean, I can't I can't fully remember. I, I resonate with what you're saying about repressed um, uh, memory because I remembered it actually. I was having a bath actually, which is one of my most favorite places to to meditate. Um, it's just something about um, just it's just relaxing, right? And immersion, immersion, yeah, yes. and then, and like the the wet air. I I think there's something about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like the opposite of cold showers. You know, you get really super hot, and um, it opens you up. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that kind of memory just hit me fully in the face at that time. And but over but over over time, that was a that was four years ago. So over time that sort of um, understanding of where shame sits for me mm. has developed 100%. It's developed. Mm-hmm. And and just today, this morning, actually, I, I checked my bank account, <laughs> which maybe wasn't a great idea. Um, but I was expecting a payment um, from the government, which I've been getting through my company um, as one of the schemes. And it, it wasn't there for June. So I... I immediately felt that kind of weight on my forehead and I was, and I thought I'm feeling shame. Like, so I had, so I, I, I went through a huge conversation around money with myself this morning while I was on, on the phone to my bank, which took three hours and I still didn't get through. So I had, I had tons of time. Yeah. It's, it's super challenging over here to get through to the bank mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. had tons of time. Um, so I had a conversation with myself around around the shame and what what my voice is around money, and it's big. I think it's big, and I think money is one of the biggest areas of shame. Would you say so? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially for us men, because we identify so much of our success and failures through our careers and through our ability to produce and earn. Um, yeah. That is that's definitely more of a conscious ingrained uh, behavior from generations say like ever since the industrialization of mm-hmm. of our society you know yeah. um I so i wanted that. to ask mm-hmm. yeah i wanted to ask you a question of like mm-hmm. why do you carry the shame of the government not paying you yeah exactly <laughs> it's <laughs> that was it's out of your control you know yeah. <laughs> that was the dislocation for me i was like hang on a second I'm feeling shame right now and and it's because I haven't received the payment that I need to receive now a big shame point for me is and uh, not being uh, and not being enough and not having a voice to be like um hey I've got some needs over here sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. the, so so I guess my first reaction was anger or sort of like this panic I'm like how am I going to survive and then the shame came in when I was like, well, I need to do something about this. I need to tell somebody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, but my go-to is like staying small. So, yeah. so people around me won't, won't, you know, the, the voices that I have, what I tell myself is that I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll fit in more and I'll be, I'll be more comfortable if I stay small basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that we've talked both about guilt and shame within this conversation, as well as Brene Brown, because she identifies the difference between guilt and shame of, well, shame is I'm a bad person because I feel this or because I did that. Well, guilt is I feel bad. I'm not identifying my worth off of my behavior. Um, That's how children learn the difference between guilt and shame. And oftentimes 
the parents are rearing their children with shame instead of guilt. And I resonate with that because um, I applied for unemployment right when the gym shut down and the gym promised not to deny any of us. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the case. They never reported my income from the first few months of this year uh, to the government. And, and you know what? I got very mad, but there's very little that I can do about that because of the, just the way that the system is set up. Yeah. And that's, that's they they still haven't. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I couldn't have felt shame for that. No, I, it was outside of my control once again, uh, where I could feel shame is if I did nothing about it. Yeah, exactly. Like you were talking about staying small. Yeah. And I think I did try. There's, there's, a, there's a beauty to that. Like with the, uh, in the Alliance and Connor Beaton, the, the guy that runs it, talks about clean anger and clean anger is supposed to last like 90 seconds, right? And it's, and it tells you when you your boundaries have been violated and, and it's really useful. And by the way, like it's really beautiful that you bring up the, the difference between guilt and shame. And, and you, you mentioned guilt earlier and I wanted to just say that I actually, I see guilt as my friend. It's like, it's more of a friend than not. Like shame is a hindrance for me. It's heavy and it blocks me. But guilt, I can see that as a, as a gratitude, as a friend. Mm-hmm. It's a guide, right? Yeah. Guide. Yeah. That's great. I love that clean anger thing too, because as I was experiencing the first bit of conflict uh, in that new partnership I was developing that lasted about a month, you know, and mm-hmm. this was our first bit of conflict. Um, I felt the clean anger because my boundary was being crossed with uh, the attempt to bond over the trauma. Mm-hmm. And my choice was to say in response to a question of like, I'm not sure the yeah. answer to that question. Yeah, that's and I went outside and I, I kept, or I kept on task of cooking the steaks that I was, um, that I was taking ownership over for the, the dinner that we were preparing. And I went outside for that. It took 20 minutes to cook the steaks and the, and the veggie kebabs, you know? Mm-hmm. And I came back in and I felt no anger uh, as soon as I walked outside. It was just gone because um, I set a new boundary for myself of like, okay, I, I resist the temptation to trauma bond in this moment. Um, I couldn't identify it as that at the mo- at the time. But I went outside and I asked myself a few questions of like, is there any truth to what she just said? Wow. And the answer was no. And so I came back in and I restarted the conversation of like, can we pick up where we left off? And that's where the, the, uh, the gut centered anger or the head centered anger came from her. And I still felt heart centered anger, you know, okay, my boundary is crossed. If you want to leave, you want to go ahead go take a walk. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. And there's still anger, um, being projected my way. But I still feel the clean anger mm-hmm. of it comes in and it goes quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I think anger is all, yeah, it's hard. And by the way, I'm really sorry to, I'm really sorry to hear that, that you, you experienced that with your new partnership, you know. But it's, anger is, is definitely a tool. I mean, like aggression is not okay, is it? I mean, mm, no, assertiveness is though. Yeah, I think, I think that's what we, yeah. And and that kind of discernment that you're speaking to is is incredible, like and and yeah, removing yourself from the situation, you know, saying hey, I just I need space to work this out, and yeah, it's never it's never. I think that was yeah. a problem though, because I didn't say that. I just simply just said oh, I'm okay. unsure and walked outside. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, yeah. I suppose because I'm a doer. <laughs> I got to be doing something at all times. Right. <laughs> Fair play. Yeah, it's such an or, interesting question. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I mean, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because around shame, because it's such an inhibitor, and I think it gets masked, it gets masked by anger and, and by numbness a lot. And, and also just like the you, you statements, you know, you did this, you did that. And and mm-hmm. if it's coming from either side, it's it's it gets challenging. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, it's it's really difficult to 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 approach those situations. In I I feel. Uh huh. But um, 
And and sometimes, by the way, that that is blown right up in my face. If I <laughs> if I approach this, I feel this way. Oh, like you get you know sometimes yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no conversation that begins with "I feel" should end in an argument. Yeah, well, I I certainly feel that way. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, so the last section is three fifteen. So yeah, just just for those who haven't listened before, um, last fifteen minutes is whatever whatever Dave wants to share with us and and me, and if we want to have a conscious stream of conversation about anything we've discussed or something completely different you want to share an artwork or a piece of music with um, me slash us then Mm -hmm. uh, it's totally your your free time now i appreciate that opportunity that's pretty cool yeah um i think that it can be awfully discouraging to hear um what we're talking about today it can be sometimes triggering and it can be sometimes unsettling Mm -hmm. and that that instinct, that's your inner voice telling you to pay attention. And why I say that it can be a little frustrating is that it sounds so hopeless. Like people who may be listening are not in the same place that you and I are, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But what I want to assure everybody of is that there's hope. There's, there's no, um, status here that we're talking about. Neither one of us is better or worse than the other because of where we're at in our conscious lives or our conscious awakening. And the person who's listening, who's confused by that is like, how do I get to that place? Well, one small step forward each and every day will get you to where you're supposed to be. Where you're supposed to be is not where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And where I'm supposed to be tomorrow is not where Peter is today. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it is because we're all on our own journeys, but we don't have to do it alone. Yeah. That is the like those men walked into my life last night at the right time. Yeah, right? wow. But what I did to honor my, my own experience and my own journey was I didn't end the conversation right then and say, oh, I got better things to do because I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a reason to make the phone call. I took ownership over two experiences that I had um, come up with. Uh, come to face in the three days of processing. And I was done making my statements by that point, but I didn't just say, Oh, well, I've got, I've got guys in my life to rescue me because I don't want to lean more into this conflict. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I honored myself. And then 15 minutes later I caught up to him and we still took a walk, you know, and yeah, they were with yeah. me on that journey, but it wasn't their journey to, to bear. Yeah. There's a whole lot there for me. I'm just trying to process what I want to, <laughs> yeah, just trying to process what's going around my head. I think three, three phrases come up for me is variety is the spice of life. Number two is the first step is to take one. And, uh, number three is we're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm. And that one's by Ram Das. But I generally, t- I generally tend to surround myself with quotes from these amazing, um, soulful people that have existed in history like um Mahatma Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and Ramdas. Um just because if if you can be open to that possibility, then often it will come true. Like you were having a conversation and you saw these group of guys that you'd connected with previously and you didn't let that overtake either your conversation or the possibility of connecting with those guys. Um, so you had, in the end, you had both, and and that's the beauty I see in life, for sure. So that's really incredible, and I do agree. Um, I do agree with seeing reality as it is. As like, obviously, I'm on my journey. You're on your journey, Dave. Everyone that's listening to this will be on their own journey. And by the way, I believe that you have come across this podcast and you are now listening to it because the energy of this podcast resonated with you on some level. Um, so just that's my own belief, but I think it's a, it's worth getting curious about like why, why that is, why are you here? What, 
what is this, what, what are the takeaways for you like what can you take away from it which which of the parts are kind of triggering and feel a bit because i mean for me trauma is the frozen aspects of ourselves that's the analogy that that i i most resonate with um and i think when we rub up against our traumas it feels it can feel super it can feel really bad i mean that's an understatement but um it's worth examining and i think that's how you get there yeah and it's worth reaching out for support too yeah always yeah you'll you'll learn a lot about yourself through humility and humbling yourself enough to ask for help yeah wow that really strikes home for sure and also what's coming into my head i'm being called to say is that it's not always the people that you might expect um that are going to provide you with the answer that you want it sometimes is and that's a beautiful moment um but sometimes it's it's not and and the acceptance surrendering around that concept i think is really important because yeah for example i mean if you're starting a new partnership then you're you're expecting some things or you want you want a certain level out of that person and i think what i'm hearing from you dave is the good thing that you've done is you saw reality as it was when you're exploring this very new partnership so you were open to having those conversations and setting your needs and setting your boundaries and in the end you discovered that she wasn't quite where you were you were you weren't quite resonating with each other and you were able to 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 do that after a month and th- and that's a month of your time you learned some lessons and now you're you're moving on so it doesn't always have to be a sacrifice right it you know it can be a enjoy enjoyment process as well yeah yeah if we don't stop and take moments of gratitude even in the conflict yeah cuz uh the conflict is there to teach us something yeah and i i keep seeing this meme i keep seeing this meme pop up and it says i'm good on lessons thanks i'm an expert now <laughs> that reminds me of, of someone that i know is like yeah i'm fully healed i'm fully healed thanks <laughs> fully healed. i don't need any more lessons yeah, in my life i'm all good i'm all good now <laughs> well did, that would definitely that. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be fooling yourself because the universe or God will keep t- sending you lessons mm-hmm. uh, to keep teaching you the same tools until yeah. you are fully healed. And, yeah. and that's why uh, coming back to we're formed in relationship, wounded in relationship and healed in relationship is that mm-hmm. when you're faced with more lessons, a lesson after lesson, after lesson, after lesson, like all of 2019 was a lesson for me. Mm. Um, but it was preparing me for 2020. I know that for sure. Yeah. Is that when we come across a relationship that isn't the right fit, that's not the right vibe, energetically speaking, then we're able to recognize it and understand that that relationship was meant to heal something small within us. Mm. And in order to fully heal, we need to find something that is the right fit. Mm. And that's where we'll experience the true gratitude, joy, vibrancy, energy, yeah, and so much more. I, I think. I mean, like, I haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's come through for you, right? In in certain aspects, not maybe not in its full form. That's correct. Yeah, I get bits and pieces of it. Uh, 2019 showed me that transformational relationship. Uh, 2020 showed me that each time that I prioritize myself, mm-hmm. I see immense exponential growth nice wonderful wonderful and by the way i think it's hilarious that we call 2020 like 2020 vision you know it was already it was already a thing before 2020 and now and now we're six months seven months into 2020 it's like oh okay i see what that means now yeah i mean it only it only took me 40 years to see 2020 (laughs) yeah I mean, this year has thrown us a lot, um, a lot of, a lot of grace, I guess, a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering to, to unpack. And um, mm-hmm. we yeah. couldn't have done that without the solitude. 
No, not at all. I believe no, because we were on the rat race, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when I lost my job, actually, when it, when we were locked down here in the UK, that was I'd never experienced the time in my life that I, I said, okay, I'm here. This is where I am. Like in my head, another voice that I had was like, "Where am I gonna? Where am I gonna live? Like, where where can I live? Um, you know, where am I gonna find my my tribe or where's my community?" It was always in my head, and and actually, it was stopping me from from finding that because and and the virus gave me the opportunity to really just be present for the first mm-hmm. time. I understood what Eckhart Tolle was talking about. I mean, I'd read all of his books and listened to him. But um, it really sort of, I really started to embody that, which is incredible. So, yeah, real, real blessing, I think. I agree. Yes. So we have five minutes left. Is there anything else you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to retouch on that discipline mm. piece for the masculine energy is that we're such a doing uh, energy, you know, that uh, when we're con- constantly and consistently doing, which is in my mind translates to true purpose, mm-hmm. we're not we're not always taking action, but we're doing everything within our energetic soul to uh, to pursue our life's passion and our purpose. Okay, that's awesome. and it takes discipline to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And consistency is a part of discipline mm. and isolation or solitude. I like to call it solitude because it's so much more of a positive reframe. Yeah, like is that. it, is it taught me that discipline? First of all, with Connor's challenge to do 50 burpees a day. Okay. Well, I was already disciplining myself enough to do jujitsu with my roommate three days a week, mm. uh, film four to five videos per week for work, which meant I was getting my own workout in too because I do the workout on the video. I didn't feel like I needed to be more disciplined or consistent until it came to that depression stage of grief where I felt lost and unmotivated and, um, and I wasn't in a partnership and where the, where the true blossoming of the masculine energy comes from is when he has that team player support from the feminine. Uh, I see. And if we are in solitude, we need to meet those needs for ourselves. And that's why that balance of the masculine and the feminine is within us all. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Obviously, I, I love a lot of Eastern philosophy and then I follow the sort of Taoism kind of front there. And it's like yin yang is, is a, is a perfect example of that for sure. And yeah, that yin, the yin exists within the yang and the yang exists within the yin. And I just like, I like that because it, it, it teaches me that every situation has something that is maybe a little bit hidden. Uh, there's another angle to everything um, for me and find that discipline. I also want to say there's the difference between like egocentric and ecocentric, you know, like, you know, balancing yourself within yourself and also within your environment. I think both of them are really important. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like what you're saying. It's home. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and appreciate you giving, giving me the space and, and hosting me here today. Cause you know, when, when we chat, we have no idea where things are going to go. And, <laughs> and yeah. that big piece of that consciousness for me was, was letting go of the outcome Mm-hmm. control of the outcome and Preston smiles when we joined that large group call for um, the anti-racism um, mm-hmm. conversation. He said, balance is a clever word for control. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like to reframe it in a way of flow. Okay. Well, we're going to flow from yin to yang. We're going to flow from eco to ego. Mm-hmm. And I do like that because uh, if we're staying in our masculine energy, we are always present in our ecocentric vision. Yeah. Where am I in my place in my world, this world? Yeah. And I love, that's why I love the rise of the feminine and, and feminine energy in general, because it's, it's really life force energy. 
it's it's that wider creative um birthing you know it's it's just so rich and abundant and um i think uh, yeah you've got it that's really interesting and 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 by the way it's my absolute pleasure to to host you today and to, for us to hold space for each other i think that both of us can have that um relationship with uncertainty where we don't have to know where this is going and we had very little chats beforehand we were just saying i'm really excited to have this conversation with you yeah so i'm really excited i'm we i know, i knew it was going to be i knew it was going to be so valuable because you too it. yeah Thanks for tuning in today and listening to this conversation with myself and Dave Glazer. If you would like to know more about Dave, you can find that at fitlifechampions.com and I'll put that in the notes as well. And tune in next time where I'll be speaking to Divya Darling from the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute and we'll be discussing her process and journey through trauma. Take care.